What's up, everybody? It's Leo and V, man, the kings of Texas Twitter. Um, today, we're going to be talking some Texans football, obviously, man. We got a bunch of rumors going on, I guess, about, like, final kind of, like, roster moves. Um, I guess, like, you know, or at least, like, fi final, like, big-name roster moves, I guess, kind of. Um, right. Yeah, uh, possible trades. And, you know, we're going to be talking about how we think the offense is going to look and maybe a little bit of the defense also. But, man, let's just kind of start off with the big thing, I guess, um, Devontae Adams. Oh. Yeah, um, you know, he's he said that he is not happy uh, with the offense and who can blame him with uh, Mr. Josh over there that had had Carr actually predetermining throws. So I can't blame him one bit of not being happy there. Um, plus, he's got Jimmy G there and, you know, he really respects Carr a lot. He obviously does not um, respect Jimmy Jimmy G. So, you know, there were some rumors about whether the Texans could put a bid in for him. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I think that obviously, I believe Devontae Adams is the best route runner in the league today, bar none. I understand he's older now. Um, but the problem is he's, it's going to take a first to get him. And I don't think that's worth it for the Texans because if we're going to give a first to somebody, for somebody, they got to be here for four years plus. And given his age, I just don't think that's appropriate. Um, I think that's more appropriate for a team like the Jets, where you already have Aaron Rodgers or, or, or perhaps even Buffalo, something like that, a team that's going on a Super Bowl run. But for us, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense, although it's a nice, hey, we got Devontae Adams, but it doesn't really do anything for us. What, what's your thoughts on that? About getting Devontae Adams. So, I mean, um, I do think it would be a re very good pickup. I think that is something that I would personally be into. I just kind of question the um, like the value of him now. I understand that everybody's gonna say, "Well, he just went for you know, I guess a first and a second, uh, first and a second last year." Um, Correct. Uh, but he's thirty-one. Um, is he gonna be thirty-two this year? He's going into, or he just turned. 31? I think he's gonna be thirty-one. Okay, so he's thirty-one. Um, we still kind of have to be looking at the long term. I think that if there's a way you could get out of it without sending a first or a second, I would definitely do it. Like, so if it's a third, even like a third plus like more, like a third, fourth, third, fifth, you know, something like that, um, I would definitely do it because you have, you're going to have to, I think, take on this contract, which is like pretty monstrous. So, I mean, that's a move that I would be willing to make. It would, it would keep you in still, it would really like, kind of set you up to be in a position to where, like, you still could build on the defensive line with the first. And even still, like, you could still um, draft a receiver in the first round. Like, I think having Devontae Adams wouldn't necessarily stop you from drafting, like, an Ibuka. If anything, like, it could kind of put you in a spot to where, like, now, if we did have Devontae Adams, you have Tank Dell, Mechie, and all that stuff, it puts you in a spot where if you add an egg Buka and you still have Robert Woods, like, I mean, that's an elite receiving core, I would think, you know, at least on paper, um, you know, as well as like, you know, obviously I'm just using egg Buka as, you know, just like a name, you know, um, right, right. first round graded receiver or even second round graded receiver, you know, like it puts you in a spot to where like, 
like it goes from like first of all you're just pushing you know the you know everyone down a spot and push putting them against you know number two corners number three corners and then it's like you keep on adding to the top and next thing you know you have two guys that could basically be wide receiver number one type type guys and then you have like you know Tank Dell and Mechie in the slot and then at the same time you're you know you're kind of just slowly watching Devontae Adams phase out, and then you have these guys that are just all developing. So I think it would be the perfect kind of storm for our young team. It's just the value. Like, I don't think it's worth the first-round pick um, because, like, that first-round pick can really, like, be a lot of different positions from us, Um, you know, Talking about like defensive line, that first round pick could be like a really great defensive lineman that could also help strengthen, you know what I'm saying, all the investments we put on the defense. It's just too risky. Well, it's not even that's too risky. It's just he's just too old, you know. That's that's really what it comes down yeah. to because the talent is there, right? Like that that's undeniable. The mm-hmm. issue, I would not give a first for him, even though I, like I said before, he is the best route runner in the league. There is no one else. And I, you know, I love Hopkins, but, but Devontae Adams is a better route runner. The yeah. issue there is really age because in my mind, we are going on a Super Bowl run 2026. Now I know people might say, well, that's fucking long, V. Well, it's not actually that long. Like I think that our playoff appearance will be in 2024 and, you know, we're building up that team and, you know, 2025, we go on a deep playoff run. 2026 is when I'm saying we are seeing if we can hit the Super Bowl. To me, that's realistic. That makes a lot of sense to me. And Devontae Adams may not even be in the league by then. And so now we're given a first round pick for someone that is not helping us win a Super Bowl. So what is the point there? There's no longevity there. I would give a first round pick to another receiver, just not him, like a T Higgins who's young, right? I'm down with that all day long. Give me T Higgins, I'll give up my first round pick because I'd rather have um, a known quantity in T Higgins rather than someone like Double E uh, and pick him in the first round. Give me a receiver that I know that's gonna be here for some time. Devontae Adams is a hot name, he's upset. He's making the rounds, but not for the Texans, in my opinion, because I don't think you can get them for less than a first. I don't. I I think at the best case scenario, you get just a first, but I think he's going to go for more. Um, I know that you said a third, but I don't see that happening at all. Like that would be a disaster if they gave up a first and a second, and the second year they had to get rid of him for only a third. That would be a disaster. Well- I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, well, now are you you have so when they traded for him, they had to make financial like you know commitments to him, and then like I don't like honestly, it kind of is a disaster. Like the fact that he's looking to get out, you know, is kind of the worst thing possible for the uh, Raiders, right? You know what I mean? So like, I kind of feel like his value is diminished off that, and you got and I understand the the, the thought that like. You know, you have to. Uh, I'm not looking at his contract, um, but like you have to think about who, who has the the cap room to do it. You know, who has the cap room or the rookie quarterback to to, um, you know, or the rookie quarterback contract, I should say, right. um, to to make a move like that. You know, or just the cap room in general. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Giants. It would be a really good move for the Giants if it was possible because, like, I mean, shit. You know. Um, you talk about what they actually need. They just paid their quarterback. I don't know who else they're paying. I think oh they just played 
They just played their defensive tackle. Off the top, I'm just trying to think who else. I Lawrence, mean, right? They just gave Lawrence a pretty big yeah, they just day. Yeah, they just paid Lawrence. Um, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe them. I mean, um, but but I don't I don't really I don't know how I know that that the, the thing is is that it actually makes sense for the Texans to do it because like we're gonna have cap space for the next couple of years. This is the type of move you you should make. But like at the end of the day, it's just the value. And I wonder, but like I, I think that I mean, I just can't really see any team giving up a first for him because like it's like I mean, you kind of would have to be like kind of saying really fuck the picks and it's just such a aggressive move, you know. Would the Jags do it, you think? Well, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, I let's look at the cap situation. Um, Jaguars. They, they do have tight cap, but you know, restructures can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so even if the cap looks hard for the Jags, mm-hmm. um, I'm not necessarily going to rule that out. What I would rule out is honestly, if they want to give up the pick. Devontae Adams. They have Christian Kirk. They have Calvin Ridley, but Calvin Ridley hasn't played in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Devontae Adams is a known quantity, and like I said before, is the best route runner. They yes. look like they, you know, as much as Texans fans don't want to hear it, I'm thinking they're winning the division this year. They could go further in the play in the playoffs with someone like a Devontae Adams. Imagine you got Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, mm-hmm. um, and Devontae Adams. Holy shit! I mean, they already have the best receiving core in, uh, group in the in the division. You put add Devonte Adams in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, my projection for them was ten wins. That probably goes up to twelve. In in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, so I'm looking at it like, yeah, like you said, cap doesn't matter. They do have twelve million left right now, from what I'm seeing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, speaking of that, man, I mean, yeah, I, I think I'm going to their 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 um their um. But I'm going to their, their what's it called now the oh, depth the, cap. Chart. the depth chart oh, the depth chart um yeah but yeah you talk about you know and I mean we're not even they're just it would just be really deep right you got I guess he would take Zay Jones spot but like I mean you got Zay Jones coming off the bench you got you know um you know Parker Washington who they just drafted late you know he's gonna be you know just learning you know uh, you know yeah then, sit him on the bench. You still got Evan Ingram, who is an explosive player, you know what I mean? And then they just drafted a guy who, you know, I think is, like, really, really athletic, you know, Brendan Strange, right? So, yeah, it's a really good good group of pass catchers. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it it, it would make sense for them to do it, too, because, I mean, shit, like, you got all this – you're not paying a quarterback, you know? So, it makes perfect sense for them. And like you said, I mean, you're talking about, like, potentially, if you do that, I mean – I mean, that's for sure like a top 10 receiving core, probably possibly top five. I mean, I would say top five at that point, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, that would be the threat, right? Like that if the Jags do, I think it makes a lot more sense for the Jags to take them than the Texans. And I'm taking my Texans hat off metaphorically because I actually have my Texans hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but if I take my Texans hat off, uh, hat off and just think of just logically, yeah, it would make a lot more sense for the Jags because they are essentially in win-now mode. Now, do they think they're going to Super Bowl this year? No, but they think they're going to make a deep playoff run, mm-hmm. you know, and and possibly and, – and once you're in a deep playoff run, anything can happen. We've seen shit happen. We've seen the Giants take out the Patriots when the Patriots were at their peak. Mm-hmm. Shit can happen in the playoffs. So if they, if they get Devontae Adams and they go on a deep playoff run, 
shit, you might have them shit talking us for years because, you know, they went to an AFC championship or, or you know, another AFC championship. So, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, if Devontae wants out and if they, and if the Jags are willing to cough up the picks, that could be a real threat, a real thorn in our side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. But, I mean, again, like, you know, I just wonder – I just wonder how much are they willing to give? I mean, I guess what you're ultimately saying is that you think they would have more flexibility in draft picks, I guess you're saying. Because yeah, because they don't have the holes that we have, right? We have to hang on because we have to build for the next couple of years still. Like, I'm not saying we're in rebuild mode. I'm pretty much saying, like, we're starting to win now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're winning now mode. Hopefully people get that the difference of what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that we're going to start to win now. We're, we're, we're going to start to try to hit 500 versus they are trying to go to a deep playoff run. They're in a completely different position than, than we're in. And by giving up that pick, because what are they going to get for the pick? What, what are their biggest needs? Well, they don't really have, besides a pass rusher, they don't really don't have a huge need. And they're banking on whether um, uh, their first round pick last year, uh, Trayvon Walker and also Jared, uh, Josh Allen are going to work out as those top tier pass rushers. So if they still believe in them, you could really say that they don't really have any holes because the I mean, only holes they had last year was pass rush. So I think like, and I don't, man, I, I really need to get PFF grace so that we can see at least. Uh, uh, um, uh, you do you have you don't have PFF, do you? No, I don't pay for PFF. No, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it uh, for sure before the next time we record. Um, I just wondered because like so. Trayvon Walker, as long as he's healthy, like, he's not going to get worse. Josh Allen, I, I mean, to, to me, like, you know, from outside looking in, I, I wonder about their interior D-line. But when your edges are so stout as they are, like, it, you can get away with running, like, you know, almost hybrid-type D-linemen. I mean, interior D-linemen, um, in my opinion, sometimes. Uh, you got – I wonder about – so I would say looking at their at their thing, at their uh roster, you know, I think interior D lineman is something that I would want to improve on consistently. But you know, you know me personally, like I think that you should that's one of the most important positions in football, and nobody really gives a damn about it, it seems. But like anyway, so you got that. I mean, I think they're kind of set at linebacker, you know, with Lloyd and Muma. You know, obviously they got Olukan starting, but Muma developing, obviously, and um, you know, coming in sparingly. I mean, to me, corner, like I wonder what what's gonna happen with the cornerbacks there. Um, obviously O line is um, you know, gonna be They've actually done well with they got uh Harrison, right? They so... got Harrison, yeah, yeah. But I wonder like Sheriff, like what's gonna happen. I mean, you know, he's older and he's injury prone at times. Like I I mean, that's the only thing, like I, I do think that but again, I mean, that's just me being me, I, you know. Interior- I, mean, like, I mean, in all reality, they could go into the draft and they, they don't have to get those dudes in a first round pick situation. Right, right. They, they, you know, they can they can continually get those guys at, you know, second or, or whatever. Right. They're not desperate to get for that first round pick because they have a glaring hole. They're right. now trying they're, they're trying to rotate guys at this point. They're not looking for playmakers. It's a big, big difference between us and them. That's really my point. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And they invested so much in the edge that they can do that. Right. You know, they just have right. guys that play roles and, you know, and like you said, rotate. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, what can come up in the future? I mean, 
Like, but yeah, those are not like it's not like they have to replace Sheriff right now or you know, or anything, you know. Um, they have decent, you know, depth at a lot of these positions. I think Devontae Adams, like you're saying, can definitely put the Jags on up top. But I mean, let's talk about ourselves also. I mean, you have a young quarterback that is like has never really I mean, why not? Like, why not? You know, you get them, you know, you think in our top three is possibly like Devontae Adams, John Mechie, Robert Woods, you know, Tank Dale in there, Hutchinson in there. Like, you know, um, I I mean, that's way more solid than what it would be without him. I mean, listen, without a doubt, it would be a better receiving core. The only issue, which I said before, is really that you don't have the longevity with Devontae Adams. Right. That by the time that we're ready to go on a Super Bowl run, he's likely not going to be in the league. And if he is in the league, he's not going to be a straight-up wide receiver one anymore. He's going to be the guy that is going to be like an Adam Thielen. You know, he's going to he's going to go around and he's going to be the wide receiver two or wide receiver three. And, and he's going to have maybe five, 600 yards. He's not going to be the dominant but, wide receiver one that he is. But see, the, the thing, the reason why it, the reason why it makes sense though is that, like, from the perspective that, you know, what I'm saying we had the last ranked offense did last year. You just traded your. First, I'm assuming that that he's not going to go worth that he's not worth the first. You know, what I'm saying, you know, like from that perspective, how it makes sense is that like you just keep adding to the room. You know. You keep adding to the receiver room even while he's here to like kind of just ease that that you know the the basically just put put people in like the most low pressure situations as you know possible. The you know, I mean the the problem and I think like you know the thing is is like possibly if Drew Scruggs is decent, you know what I'm saying, King Green is average, then we have a, a really decent O-line. You know, you paired up with a decent receiving core. You know, now we're seeing what Stroud is and what Slowick is completely. And then, I mean, on on defense, when we talk about the holes, I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy because, like, a lot of these guys that are upgrades, you know, and even the guys that are starting for our team, man, I mean, this is almost their last year. Like, I think – I think – Basically every D lineman damn near outside of like Lopez, Anderson, you know, I don't oh Booker, you know, Dylan Horton, the guys we just drafted are basically in contract years. Every single one of them. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about our linebackers, bro, bro, outside of fucking like Harris, Harris, um, you know, I mean, that's Harrison told, told everybody's on the contract year, you know, Nelson, Jimmy Ward. I mean, if, if your point is that we've got a lot of dudes on contract and they're cheap, so it would you wouldn't mind Devontae. No, no, no I'm saying I'm, I'm, I was saying that to actually say, like, you know, that's the scary part about trading for him, actually, is that like if you the higher the pick that you trade for him the harder it's going to be to, like, fill all these holes. And, like, like eat, like the thing is, like, even if we're good this year, you know, even if we exceed expectations, we go back into the next season with a lot of holes to fill anyway. So, right. it, yeah. like, it's, it's yeah. just – and then, you know, you know at the same time. But, like, I don't know, it's – 
it's just tough, man. You know, because like like at the same time, it makes sense because like I think that if you if you get Devontae Adams and you just have the same process that we were talking about anyway, as as far as like still spending premium picks on receiver, it like you're gonna end up with the top 10 receiving core pretty much no matter what, even in three years when he walks, because you have poured all these resources. And I think that, you know, these guys will develop. You know what I'm saying into roles why when he's gone type right. shit. You know what I'm saying? But but it's just like but it's at the same time you might be doing that in spite of you know a DT in spite of a linebacker in spite of like you know uh, a cornerback. I mean that's why honestly and we, we could talk about this too. Um, I don't know how much you want more you want to talk about Adams, but like um, something that just kind of popped into my mind. Um, and we could spend a little bit of time on it is um Shaq Griffin, you know. Okay. Um to me, like the the acquisition of Shaq Griffin is I think it's it's I understand it's being like why it's being played how it is and like why people are acting like it's not a big deal, but it actually is a big deal because you got this guy that is an outside corner that has all the prototypes, I mean, all the physicals that you would need to be an outside corner, has played like a top outside corner, you know what I'm saying, previously. I know he's had some tough times, but the thing is, is that if he can some can find himself again, you would end up possibly having, you know what I'm saying, a really good, you know, corner on the opposite side of Stingley pass next year without having to spend a, a premium pick on a cornerback to replace Nelson. You know what I'm saying? As Nelson gets older. So, man, i like to hear what you think about that, too, because, um, you know, that's something that hasn't really been said. I understand it looks like a depth piece, and I understand. But, like, at the end of the day, it could end up being something much more valuable than that. Man, what do you think? So the reason why I like to pick up is because it's a low-risk, high-reward situation. Worst-case scenario, he's depth. He's sitting on the bench in case there's an injury. But the best-case scenario is that he could beat Nelson and actually take his position this year. That's the best-case scenario. We didn't, we're not paying him a, a lot. Um, I think it was, what, $3 million or something like that guaranteed, if right. I remember correctly. So we're not giving up a, a ton of money uh, on it uh, on him. And Nelson is gone after this year. This is his last year. I doubt we extend him. He's age. He's aging, and um, I've got some personal things to say about him, but I probably shouldn't say it on this podcast. But um, so, so I don't think he's going to be here. Um, and so that means that if Shaq can come in here and be who he was before, yeah, I mean, this is this is a guy who was successful, but just had a bad time in Jacksonville. And you know what? A lot of people have bad times in Jacksonville. So so he's not alone there. And so if you can come out and be somebody, then then great. But like I said before, if not, all right, if he's if he's depth, he's depth. It's not, it's not the end of the world. So that so I think this is a great situation where you really can't go wrong either way, what happens. I'm not putting too much stock in it because I don't know where his head's at, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll find out. We'll we'll know in camp and and we'll see. Last Last season, Nelson actually had a great year. And so he obviously has the upper hand. Um, and it's just a matter to see how bad Shaq wants it because he has the ability. He has all the athleticism. It's just a matter of how much does he want it, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's my thing, like, you know, um, we just got to see. I mean, but that's part of having this coaching staff is that maybe they pull the best out of him. Maybe they pull, you know what I'm saying, whether he was able to do, you know, early in his career back out. Because, I mean, he hasn't really had, like, a critical, like, energy injury that made him, like, physically just zap him of any athleticism, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, it wouldn't even, like, to be honest, bro, it, it wouldn't necessarily be the most shocking thing to me personally, like, if he ended up taking, you know what I'm saying, Nelson's job at camp. Because, like, remember that, like, you know, Nelson has no connection to, like, Lovey. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, not Lovey. D'Amico. Yeah. You know, D'Amico did not necessarily choose him. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's going to be fighting for a spot to, like, play. And the thing is, is that if if Griffin is just, you know, playing better than him, I mean, what, like, you, you know, you never really know, you know, what can happen during the course of the year. And even still, like, God forbid that anyone gets hurt, but it's football. Like, if he comes in and is playing, like, on a level, like, if Nelson was to get hurt and he's playing on a level – that Nelson was last year or better than, you know, it just kind of is what it is, you know, like, you know, it, he might, your spot might be gone. So, and honestly, man, I mean, you know, I hope I want the best for him. I want the best for everybody on our team, obviously, but like, I think that that would be really, really good for us as a team. You know what I mean? If, if Griffin was to just be who he was in Seattle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Be as productive as he was in Seattle because, like, man, it's hard to it's hard to find corners. You know, it's having great corners is not like it's not easy to to really come by. You know, and I think that so 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 when you don't have good corners, you end up having to spend high picks on corners. You know what I mean? Or you know, and 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 even if even then, just hoping that it works out. So like, I just think it would be it would be really really great if. If you know we had a contingency plan for Nelson in the in the building already, you know, and that would help us continue continue to build the defense. You know, what I'm saying when we we're sitting there, we do have Anderson. You know, the the thing about it is that like I always bring this point up when we talk about defenses and pass rushes and all this stuff. You know, Khalil Mack, I think in his rookie year, obviously I think he was one of or first couple of years was one of the only players in NFL history to be all pro two positions, you know, by the end of his rookie contract, he's like, you know, not top three in the league and like pressures and like sacks and shit. But as a whole, their defense was bad. And it was one of the, like that, like, even though he was getting pressures, but nobody around him was doing anything. I think that, that to, to, to really get the best, out of Will Anderson, you have to kind of you you have to put people around him to do to 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 really just you know continue to put him in a place to succeed. It's just like a quarterback, it's just like a receiver, you know what I'm saying? Just like a running back, just like any other football player, just like a corner, you know what I'm saying? You have to have people around him to, to help him succeed, and that's just for any. I can't think of any edge. That's not a put down to Anderson or nothing. That's just what it is, you know. I mean. You know, um, just what it is, literally. Uh, 
So I think, man, it would be it would be really, really good if, you know what I'm saying, we felt good about a corner to where, like, you know, and even even if, I guess, bringing it back to what we were talking about before, if you felt comfortable having Devontae Adams for, like, a year or two, where, like, you know, you're thinking, okay, I could still get a develop a developmental, like, wide receiver in the second or first, you know, or, 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 or still use the first on a guy that we think is ready to go. Um, you know, it, it gives you the flexibility to, like, really, like, hopefully, I'm just going to list some names, you know, obviously it's way early in the process, but, like, you know, I mean, God knows when Mason Smith will get drafted, you know, um, you know, um, I mean, there's a defensive tackle from Illinois that I was reading about that people think is going to be a first round pick. I mean, these are guys that not only can be productive players, but can help you, you know, can help Stingley be the best version of himself, you know, can help, you know, all these players, Petrie and, you know, all these guys that we have already invested in just be great and not and, and have a great defense overall, just a great team. My, yeah, go ahead, bro. Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But, with, you know, I think one of the things that I want to talk about, since you, you brought up, you know, a, a bunch of stuff, um, but when you were talking about giving help to Will Anderson, you know, and then the topic is guys that we're adding, and we talked about Devontae Adams and now Shaq, J.D. on Clowney, like everyone's talking about whether or not, you know, we should pick him up. He has made... Uh, specific statements about coming back to Houston. Um, and a lot of people are saying, why not? It's, he's, he, he's a perfect uh, addition here. And I guess I'm the odd man out because a lot of people are saying that, that you want Adam. I'm saying a hard fucking no. And the big reason here is I think that we've done a lot in terms of culture. And, and I know a lot of people ask questions, well, what is culture? Just get the players that you want. Well, there's a reason why he was kicked out of Cleveland. And I think people need to go back and, and understand what happened. So when he, he basically was asked to go out there and play on the inside on first and second downs, and he refused. Now, obviously, Miles Garrett is the edge. He is their star edge player in Cleveland, and he was taking most of the snaps um, on the outside there, and rightly so. And he was mad that Garrett was getting all the opportunities. And, and he was mad that when they asked him to go inside, he refused. And he literally said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so that was against the Ravens. Then at, at practice, um, he it's pretty much said the same thing again. I'm not going to do that. Then he talked to the press and he um, said, said derogatory things uh, about the Cleveland Browns um, uh, to the press. And then at the next practice, he was told not to come back and was then released. So this is all because of a guy that was jealous of a, a first overall pick uh, getting playing time as opposed to him and would not play where they wanted him to play and was cut. The Browns basically will take anybody. We know this, right? Let's look what you know, they, they took at quarterback. They will take anybody and they release J.D. Young Clowney because why? He didn't want to play where they asked him to play. Why in the world would we take on a player, a diva of a player that won't play where we're going to ask him to play? If he would come here, he would really, he would play mostly on the inside, right? Um, would he rotate with, because uh, he's not going to rotate really with Will, 
right? So Will's going to be taking most of those snaps. He would rotate with Gennard, but we again we je- we also drafted an edge, right? So like you know, so so the whole point is that I don't think JD Clowney is a right fit here. I think people always ask, well, what is culture? Culture is that you stop thinking about me, 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 and you start thinking about the team, and you start thinking about you do what's right for the organization. You don't do what looks good on the stat sheet. You don't make plays just because they look good on the stat sheet. If your coach tells you, "Hey, can you do this?" Your answer is, "Of course." How can I be? Of, how can I be of service to the team? And he is not that dude. And so, why should we have him here to create distrust and be? You know, we had Brandon Cooks, who we all agreed that by the end of the season, he was a cancer to that locker room. Let's not add another cancer. Yeah, so I think the argument is is that like if he wants to play edge here, that he would be able to play edge here, and that like you know that there would be no reason for him to kick inside because he would um just be playing outside, you know. And I think that if he really doesn't want to play inside, then you just don't put him inside on rundowns. You know what I mean? You just have him literally just play – I mean, on passing downs, right? So, like, you would end up basically playing him at defensive end on rundowns and then putting him on the bench on passing downs. But, I mean, you know, is he going to be okay with that? Is he not going to – Is you know, is he going to want to be on the field at all times? Like, I mean, you know, so there's an argument both ways, but I think that, like, at the end of the day, it kind of just comes back to – um what um what our i guess our organization our front office thinks you know what i mean if they think that he's going to like you know trip about all this shit then you can't you can't really um do that like it's it will be a move that ends up being detrimental because you know if you know what if what if you know the best the best you know for us to win the best thing is to put him on the inside on passing downs. The best thing is to sit him on the bench on passing downs. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, so I agree with you. I mean, it just, it just kind of depends on what, what uh, the org thinks. And I, I trust that they know. And I also, it hasn't happened yet. So maybe they don't want to, you know what I mean? But the thing is, is that like, you know, I don't I don't really understand why at this point, you know, having Jadavian Clowney is a big deal in general, because like, I mean, he's been a part of a defense that honestly underachieved last year against the run. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he I don't know, he's just kind of had this like I mean He's pretty much been on a decline since he left us, from what I pretty understand. Pretty much, pretty much. I know he had one, one year, he, I think, the last year or the year before, he had 10 sacks. But, I mean, you know, that was one year. I mean, you know, and obviously he wasn't doing something happened because they moved him inside, you know, and they want to move him inside. I know they move Miles Garrett inside sometimes, but for whatever reason, you know, I just I just can't really get myself to to understand it. I mean, it's one of them things like where if it happens, cool, and you know, he's a guy that like same shit we were talking about for um, you know, I mean, hell, Shaq Griffin or even like a Devontae Adams type thing. Like, obviously, he's not as good as his position at at uh, 
as uh, you know Adams is right now. But the fact that you know what I'm saying you get deeper at a at a very uh, volatile position or important position, it's always a good thing. But I mean, you know, um, if he's not really really bought into like you know being a culture piece or just fitting into a team, then I mean, maybe his you know three sacks and you know, attitude isn't really worth it for us. You know, I mean. That's that's pretty much how I feel. I don't think he's going to bring a lot to this team. I Yeah, you're right. We're going to get, what, three, maybe four if we're really lucky. But I think, I think the detriment is that we're looking for leadership here because we have a ton of rookies, and he does not bring leadership here. He brings, he brings, in my opinion, dissent. He does not bring a team atmosphere. It's a me, me, me situation, and we don't need any more of that. And and um, so, yeah, if we're done on the clowny situation, what I really want to get to, if we still have time to talk about it, is how does the offense look? We, I think we, I think this is where we disagree most um, on how the offense is going to look. And if we could, I'll get, let's get your take first on like just describe what are you expecting this offense to look like? Um, you know, we have a lot of rookie receivers coming out there. We've got a rookie center. We've got Kenyon Green who performed poorly last season. How do you think that we're going to look on offense? You know, we go out there with Baltimore the first week right away. So how do you think we look? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Baltimore's front has is kind of overrated at this point. I think that, you know what I'm saying, them losing uh, Campbell, you know, might be a, a big deal. I mean, I guess Matabike – I know a lot of people are high on him, but I think, you know, it's just going to be different, you know, now. And, I mean, well, when we play them, I mean, they'll be fully healthy, you know. And so I don't really like either their edges against the run right now. Uh, I think they have one of the best linebackers in football, obviously, probably one of the best linebacker tandem in football, um, one of the best secondaries in football. So I think that it kind of comes down to, like, can we control the line of scrimmage? Can we run the ball on them? And then can we kind of, um, you know, influence these linebackers, influence these, you know, just get get good windows, throwing the ball, you know, because we're able to run the ball. Um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, we'll see. Um, I mean, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to really say. I don't. I mean, it, you know, this is a really good defense. You know, they've had their struggles last year when they were dealing with, like, immense speed and stuff, and, you know, but it's still a good defense. Um, I think that, you know, it will be really, really good if we were able to score 20 points on them, you know. Um, it's hard for me to really say what I can expect um, because, you know, we haven't seen Stroud play, and it's – you know you're gonna get Lamar Jackson right off of, right after a fresh contract. You know at at home and you know that crowd probably is gonna be amped up because they haven't really ever had this much like excitement. I guess at receivers and they've all been clamoring for a receiver for years, so it's gonna be pretty hostile. I, I would think. And um, but yeah, man. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about about that matchup? So I think the matchup is going to be difficult um, because, first of all, we just have too many rookies everywhere, um, and we're not going against a team like Arizona or Tampa that 
um, won't have their starting quarterback. You know, we're going against Lamar Jackson, who I highly respect. And I think that part, the biggest question marks, in my opinion, are the line. I know a lot of people are questioning the receivers because, yeah, we have John Mechie, who I'm considering a rookie since he didn't play last year. Xavier Hutchison, if he gets field time, um, you know, and uh, Tank Dell. So that, you know, that's three potential rookies out there. Yes, we have Robert Woods, but that's a lot of rookies just on the receiving court. My bigger issue is the line. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, and our line last year, particularly the, our inside, uh, interior line was atrocious. We had Scott Quesenberry and Kenyon Green there. And Scott Quesenberry was considered the worst lineman in the entire league. Mm-hmm. And, Kenyon, and Kenyon Green was a, a pretty close second. Um, so we, so that interior line was just horrendous. So that is my biggest concern because, you know, when we were all looking at potential, um, prospects, when we're looking at drafts, I, I, unless I misremember something, I don't think we mentioned Scruggs once until, until he was drafted. Right. Like, you know, we were talking about JMS, we're talking about Tipman, we're talking about Ricky, we were talking about Whippler, uh, we were talking about that other dude from Michigan. There, there was a couple dudes that we had, five or six centers, and not once did we ever mention Drew Scruggs. No. Now, I didn't really look into him until after he was drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, so you know, I wasn't looking at Penn State games a lot, so, so I was really unaware uh, of him. Now, I did look at him afterwards. Now, for people that don't know, uh, you know, he has quite a bit of incredible history. He was considered one of the top uh, top five centers coming out of high school. Um, he, he, he was actually in a pretty bad accident uh, back, I believe it was like 2019. Don't quote me on that day. Um, and, and, and so he was in that car accident. He had to come back. So he came back from... A, really crazy adversity came back from crazy adversity and then became a team was voted team captain um so so he had struggled he was great in high school struggled uh due to injuries and stuff came back strong he was considered going to go go in the fourth fifth round and then about march because i was going back and looking at tweets and different reports that he was actually uh people were saying that af- a- um, after the invite to the shrine uh, bowl that his he started getting a lot of looks from gms and stuff and people were saying that he could go higher than expected now i was not aware of any of this honestly uh, until after the draft i went back and did some research so that to me is a big the question mark is i don't know him right so i have to assume that nick and the rest of the scouting department actually did their job and they picked him in the second round higher than the consensus because they knew what they were doing but they did pick him over Whippler, right? They could have jumped the Giants to get JMS, and they did not. They jumped. They, every pick that we made in the draft, besides CJ Stroud, was in, in result of a trade where, where we jumped up, essentially, right? So, like, so, so we jumped up to get a, a lot of dudes, but we didn't, we didn't jump up to get JMS. So we got him. So I have to imagine that they did their homework, but he's still a question mark to me because – I, I, I have not seen enough from him. I've watched what I could from him. There's just not enough. So he's a big question mark. I'm spending a lot of time on him, but there's a reason why, because it's a center. This, people, people don't give the center position any love because you only talk about him when he's doing something bad. When the center position does something great, you never hear it. 
hear from him. And so people are, really don't even like thinking about that position. And then if you look at Canyon Green, like I said, he had a really bad time last year. So to me, those are the two biggest question marks. If our line is strong, I believe that the entire offense will be strong. Why? Because this the way that I view the offense is I see a lot of Dickon and Duncan. I see a lot of checkdowns. I see a, um, uh, I see Dalton Schultz being very, very important on third downs. You know, on those third and third and five, um, he he gets the ball right. He takes that takes that five yards and gets two yards after catch, making it a seven yard. So, I mean, like, he's not going to be the five to 50 guy, but he's a, the four or five guy. And that extends another two, three yards gets third down conversions, right? Last year, we were very, very bad in third down conversions, second to worst in the league. I think that's how we compete. Mm-hmm. All of that is what I'm saying is that the line is important. Dalton Schultz will be used to, to um, so we can convert on third downs. Tank Dell will be used on hot routes, so he's going to – I think they'll put him in motion a lot. I don't think that we can put him on outside. I don't know how he can be pressed, in my opinion. But I, I do think that um, he's a speed guy, and they're going to use him as such. And and so he's going to be the guy where they use him on, you know, easy slants. And and, and I think that's what you do with the slot receiver. It's, it's To me, it's, it's, it's the way you use him. Um, so that's how I perceive the offense. I know a lot of, not just talking about the Ravens game, but I know a lot of people are talking about CJ Stroud as potentially throwing for 30 touchdowns and 4,000, 4,500 yards. I think that's a little kind of crazy a, a bit. I mean, not that I don't believe in CJ Stroud, but I think it's going to be a lot more um, run. They're going to focus on the run game. We're going to use Damian Pierce, going to use Devin Singletary um, as a third down back. And, and we're going to see a lot of, uh, consistent football, not necessarily a lot of lot of downfield throws. We're not going to see a lot of 30, 40 yard throws throughout the season. I'm not just talking about the first game. I think you're not going to see that from CJ Stout because rookies take some time to learn the scheme and, and you cannot put everything on a rookie's back right away. So overall, I'll wrap it up and simply say that I think we're going to look good. I don't think we're going to win the first game, but I, but I don't think we're going to look incompetent. At the same time, throughout the season, I think that what we'll see from C.J. Stroud and the rest of the offense, if the line is good, is that we'll be able to move the ball. I, you know, I still think that we're a seven and ten win team. You know, seven wins is still my prediction. I just don't think that we're going to see. Some people are predicting that C.J. Stroud could be offensive rookie of the year. You know, stuff like that. And I, and I, you know, I love the optimism. I love the fact that Texans fans are excited again. But I do think that that's a little premature, and, and you're putting too much on C.J. Stroud. So I guess this is like, I mean, you have time. You have time to keep talking. Yeah, I do. All right, cool. So like, so here's my thing about it. Like, you know, it's like we're kind of set in the same trap up that we fell for last year, in that like you have this offense that's like built to like. There's not really that many people that can stretch the field that put fear in the hearts of DBs and DCs, and. We're going to run the ball and we're going to be physical and we're going to, you know, dink and dunk our way down the field. The problem with that is, is that to to get those easy throws down, like to get those easy check downs to move the ball, to have these 10 to 15 play drop. Like you don't want to build an offense that is good at, I mean, how do I say this? Like you don't build an offense, like an optimal offense is not built for 15 play drives. Like, an optimal offense is built to like 
for big plays and you take the check down. Like, you know, because they're giving you the check down. The, the problem with this is that like you have you have this this offense that is that like it's a West Coast offense and you you, you know like it's like the phrase touchdown to check down. If if people feel like they could come up and mug mug you and um you know what I'm saying and that you're not gonna be able to separate from their DBs you know deep down the field and they can sit on routes and stuff because they're not really worried about you just blowing by them like. You know, it's it's you know it's gonna it's gonna be rough. I mean, like there's gonna be like that's what I was saying earlier. Like there's gonna be some games where we look unstoppable, possibly, and there's gonna be some games where we really struggle to move the ball. And um, another thing also, man, is that like, you know, that's just kind of my thought. And then like again, like the offensive line, I agree with you there, but it, it's it's gonna come kind of. Like yeah, I mean to, to be honest, it's like it's like an offense that's kind of similar to um you know the Giants you know and while we're talking, let's I'll just pull the stats up just so I know on New York Giants twenty twenty two, right? So you know this is an offense that was like you know similar to that, like where you kind of walk them downfield, you don't you don't turn the ball over, you know. So like this offense was it was like. 18th in yards, 15th in off in uh, scoring, you know what I'm saying, 25 in passing attempts, 26 in rushing attempts. I mean 26 in passing yards, 24th in passing touchdowns with 17, you know, and they were number 1 in the NFL in turnovers. I mean in um it was, so they were number 2 in the NFL in total turnovers, number 1 in interceptions. Meaning that they did not turn the ball over. Right, right, right. They were like, they were pretty much least amount of turn worthy plays, right? Right, exactly. So they were even in rushing attempts and passing attempts. Number eight in total rushing attempts with 522, but they were in the top five in yards, top five in touchdowns, and top five in yards per attempt. So the, you know, also they were top five in, um, they were top five in in average drive in average drive time, top five in av- in average time plays. I mean, average offensive plays per drive, right? So this was like pretty much, pretty much like a kind of a ball control type of offense, right? And they were middle of the road in points, right? They were literally middle of the road in points, defensive per, per, points, average per drive, defensive, and offensive. So, you know, um, they scored one point nine five points per drive and a little bit under two points per drive. Well, shit. I mean, they both are a little bit under two. 1.99 points per drive on defense. So they were really, really like the thing about the Giants and and how they won games, like they did not turn the ball over, but like just, just even just going by those stats that I just showed that a lot of those games that they could have, that they won could have been losses. And I just wonder how would they actually have been perceived if, you know what I'm saying, they did not win those games? And I'm kind of going off, and I should have been writing this stuff down as you were talking. But I'm just saying that, like, if, like, I don't think any, like, most people don't talk about the Giants offense as being something to, like, aspire to an offense like that, right? So, like, to me, it's kind of like, bro, um, that's what kind of gives me the the thought that, that, 
you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough year. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully, we just have to hope that our defense can be as good as theirs was. You know what I'm saying? And it possibly can be. You know, um, it possibly can be because you know our, our our secondary technically was better than theirs. You know, if we could, you know, but 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 what ultimately what I'm saying, and this is what my bad, I kind of rambled a little bit. And I just remember why. That's what we do here. That's what we do. <laughs> so, so the level of precision, and um, and uh, how do you say the level? I mean, that's pretty much the only fucking word I could think of. The the level of precision that it takes to run an offense like that that isn't that has that that makes the defense that has that can slowly work the ball up the field, but at the same time, you know, you know, work. Is that I'm thinking about teams like the Giants, teams like the the, the Saints over the past couple of years, right? Um, when you don't have those type of big play threats, the quarterback has to be a guy that doesn't turn the ball over, a la Breeze and Daniel Jones this year, right? The the and um and and everybody has to pretty much do their job, and I think the odds of that actually happening with you know what I'm saying a first year, you know, hit OC and a first year quarterback, and then having these receivers that are, you know, like first playing in the NFL for the first time. It's just it's just a lot to ask. You know what I mean? That's all I'm trying to say. And that's what that I'm trying makes, to say. That makes sense, but let me just poke a few holes in that argument. I and mean, I do understand it and I actually respect it quite a bit. But let me just give you a few holes. One of them is that Daniel Jones what they basically did is they tried to really emphasize his athleticism, which is why there weren't a lot of passing attempts is because they weren't just using Saquon Barkley out there. They were using his athleticism. So that's one of the things that they were focusing on. That's why <clears throat> there weren't a lot of turnworthy plays is because he just didn't pass a lot. I mean, he, there were games where he ha- didn't even have 20 passing attempts. Um, excuse me. I had something in my throat. Um, so, so I think that's part of what you have to understand there. Then, then the other thing is that we have a quarterback that is literally considered to have the best mechanics in, in the draft and the most accurate quarterback in this draft, something both qualities that Daniel Jones did not have. We also know that um, C.J. Stroud did not let the ball, uh, what do you have, five interceptions last year total? Um, yeah. Right. So, and I think it was what, 40 touchdowns, 41 in touchdowns. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the guy does not turn the ball over a lot anyway and, 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 and still produces well. Now, of course, everyone will always say, and, and it's a valid point, you had the best O line in the nation and had two of the best receivers. Of course, I get that. And he's not coming into that same situation. However, his accuracy is, he's still fucking accurate. He still had to thread the needle in, in certain situations. It's not like, he only made passes where, where dudes were just completely open all the time. So I will say that our quarterback is better coming into the NFL than Daniel Jones was when he came in the NFL. The reason why Daniel Jones suffered for quite a few years is because an OC basically didn't, be, uh, didn't put him in a position to thrive because they didn't focus on his talents. Now we're hoping that Bobby Slowick is able to do that. I, I think this, the scheme that we're using West Coast, we, that that should be done. Now we don't have Saquon Barkley, 
but we do have a Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce, one of the best things about him is that he gets yards after contact. The great thing about that is that even when the line falls apart, he still is able to get get positive yardage. So Slovak has that weapon. Now I understand I'm not comparing him to Saquon Barkley, but there are only four or five other running backs that I can remember on that list that have as many yards of uh, contact uh, for the amount of attempts that, that he had. So, so that is a strong weapon that you can use in order to set up success, right? Have the run game and use play action. Pretty straightforward there, right? Um, even when the line is, isn't solid. You have Dalton Schultz, who was the safety blanket for, for Dak Prescott, who could be the safety blanket for CJ Stroud. So I think you do have a lot of these pieces and, and in order to make sure the offense looks good. I am talking about in terms of tampering expectations on the stat number, honestly, in all reality. Like, let's not say the dude has, you know, his second overall pick has to hit 4,300, 4,500 yards and yeah. 30 touchdowns. Like, that's what I'm saying. We got to temper expectations. How we look up there, how many points we put up there. I think we're going to put up more than 17 fucking goddamn points a game, like the way we were last year. Like, we're, we, we definitely have to be higher than that. We, you know, I mean, our receiving group was horrendous last year our quarterback was horrible last year our line was horrible last year the only really good thing about the only good thing about our offense last year was Damian Pierce so we should should is the operative word here we should have better quarterback play we should have a better line we should have a better running back group with Devin Singletary and X to the B uh, uh that that UDFA running back we should have better running back room, better receiving room with, with Robert Woods, who actually knows this scheme, who's a, who has a bet presence, who just two, what was it, two years ago, he was, he had uh, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. So, mm-hmm. you know, stop, let's stop, let's all stop shitting on Robert Woods. So you got Robert Woods here, and then you got the rookies. John Mechie was a beast in, in college. Let's see if he can do it again. I'm very high on Xavier Hutchinson. I think he has a size. He has a catch radius. He has the surety of hands. Let's see if he can do something about, about that. I think that we're in decent shape. We're not in, a, in the best shape, but we're in decent shape. With all these pieces combined, mm-hmm. what I'm hoping for, and again, not just in the first game or anything, but just overall, is that we will slowly see the offense take shape. I think we will see... Um, you know, a more a, a more systematic offense rather than just some crazy 30, 40 yard passes all the fucking time. You know, that's that's what well, I'm expecting. Well, we're gonna, and that's what I'm saying. We're gonna have to be, but I think like when you look at these offenses that have that that where they take checkdowns a lot. When you look at Josh Allen, when you look at um uh, Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes. You know, these guys that that have, you know, these very, very, like, successful offenses. But at the same time, I'm talking about even, like, throughout the years, like, throughout the the few years, right? You have Josh Allen, you have Mahomes, like, even, like, um, Herbert, right? You know, they're taking checkdowns. But at the same time, everybody knows that they can push the ball down the field. And they have certain type of weapons to where you have to respect them being able to get the ball there. You have to respect them being able to beat you there. So, like, it's it's one – even Dak Prescott, like, Dalton Schultz is eating – not like he's a good tight end, but he's eating a lot because, you know, he's not – he's never been the best player on the field for, for the team that he's played on, right? And so – like that's what I'm saying. Also, while you were talking, I was thinking it made me go back and look at the Giants again, deep, even deeper. 
And I just wanted to see who led them in targets. Guess who was their leading, uh, I guess, uh, weapon uh, in getting in, in targets? The dude from Florida. No. Who was it? The Giants. The, the Giants. Yeah, I know. The It was the dude that they drafted right before, right? Uh, no, it was Saquon Barkley. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You see yeah. What I'm saying? So like like Saquon Barkley and listen to this. Say even though Saquon Saquon Barkley tied for the lead in catches, but even even then he only had three he had fifty seven catches, three hundred thirty yards for like less than six yards a catch. Like um so Who's number two? Um the number two guy in terms of catches or targets was it was uh Darius Slayton and Richie James, right? Okay. Okay. And um and so that's what I'm saying. Like like so when you say that Daniel Jones like like when you say that Daniel Jones, you know, isn't like like I think that people forget how good he played his rookie year, how much he flashed his rookie year, and then you look at the next few years where he played with like, I mean hell, I don't even know who was on the job. I know that they didn't have Beckham. I mean I bet if I look at their at their team, you know, at that point. You know that he was playing with minimal talent, right? He they, did. They, he they, didn't have much. And and they're they're. I mean, I and mean, Saquon was basically hurt for his for first a lot of the years. Time, you know, and yeah. then they had Jason Garrett calling plays. I never have liked Jason Garrett's play calling. You know, I think, you know, I think it's. I think he's one of the most. Bro, his leading. So his second year, his leading the guy in targets was uh was um Evan Ingram. You know, Sterling, this was his receiving course, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and um uh Slayton, right? And um, yeah. you know, that was the year that Shepard got hurt. And and among, while that while all that's going on, you know what I'm saying, he his uh you know, I mean, so Shepard gets hurt and, and they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league for multiple years, right? So I, I feel like I feel like the the People kind of wrote him off so quickly to where like they and they didn't really give him like the full like a full proper evaluation. So like to I'm me, I'm guilty of that because I did that. So and I mean it's understandable, but but like the thing is is that like that's why to me it's like we I mean, not to we're not gonna turn it all the way back to this, but like if I am the Giants, I would go out and get Devontae Adams. Because like this would be the best receiving core he's ever played with. You just paid him. You got Waller. You, you know you have Waller. You have uh, I mean, I mean there there are the receivers aren't haven't been shit yet. But I mean you have Waller. You have Saquon. You have you know um, you would have Adams, and then you have um, you know your line is gonna. I don't think Evan Neal is gonna. I hopefully he gets better. You already have one of the top five left tackles in the league. You know, it's going to improve. Everything's going to improve. I would go – if it was me and I was a Giants, I would make that move happen. But I just think that, like, to so, I, you know, it's like when we critique quarterbacks, and not you, just people in general, we look at overall success, the numbers, but we don't go and we don't look at all the things that have happened to help them be successful. We talk how much coaching matters. And, um, you know, we talk all this stuff about how much the team matters. But then we criticize Daniel Jones, someone who had a good rookie, who had a really good rookie year. You know what I'm saying? And then it looked as if he regressed. But 
he wasn't really given a, a chance. Like him surviving was just tough. You know, the fact yeah. that he's still in the league, the fact that he was able to have this year shows you, even though it's not like the most gaudy numbers, it shows you that there is a lot of talent there. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so maybe he does take a step forward this year. So I'm saying that to say I understand that it's such a – and this is why I think I have, when we talk, you know, on Twitter and all this stuff, I have these views that are kind of like, you know, it's like people act like, oh, that's like – it's like I'm people act like I'm trying to be different. But, like, what I'm saying is that, like, to say that Stroud is going to be better than Daniel Jones is is really, really – I mean – that's saying that you think he's a good quarterback. Like you're talking about him being better than someone who is a good quarterback, someone who literally, despite having, you know, even I love Devin Neal, who, I mean, but, you know, he struggled a lot this year. The, yeah. You know, even with the improvements that they had, the line wasn't the best line. You know what I'm right. saying? You, 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 you're assuming that like, you know, this kid is going to come in here and just be successful. I mean, I mean, like basically, he he had one of the best turnover ratios in the NFL last year. You know what I'm saying? So if CJ Stroud has one of the best turnover ratios in the NFL his rookie year, that means he's probably on Hall of Fame type of pay. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, especially with this team, with that with that coordinator, with all of these, that means that he and you know, and he is accurate. But I mean, like, look at what happened when the plays went wrong, when he did, when he wasn't able to step in the throws, he made some good throws, but there was also, there was also some, some iffy decisions. There was also some off throws, you know, they looked pretty coming out of his hands, but you know, there was, there was some, so, I mean, it's a, it's a thing where we're just going to have to really see what, who he actually is. And, you know, this is going to be the perfect test for him this year to see, like, you know, how much of what we saw at Ohio State was the system and how much of it was him. And I think it's probably somewhere in between, you know. But, like, you know, if he has a year like Daniel Jones had, I think that would be, like, let's look at the numbers. I mean, if he has this type of a year, I think that's a great year, you know. Let let, let me go off of what you said because I think you did make a really freaking good point. Um, But I want to go off of that and say that I'm actually kind of happy that we don't have the best receiving core or um, or necessarily 100% solidified online. I know you, I know people, anyone listen to this and have the list us rant this long are probably now thinking that I've gone off the deep end saying that I'm happy that we don't have the best of, of anything right now. And I'll tell you why though, because you have a guy that's coming into a situation that's like not great now and then next year we are going to be able to make this situation great which means that there are injuries that happen right you can have the best o-line but injuries happen you can have the best receiving core but injuries happen so if he has to deal with adversity his rookie year and yes we get great in 2024 but an injury happens he's already dealt with that shit, and now he knows what he needs to do so dealing with that now this year when we're not expected to go on a run and having dealing with that now is actually good because when we do want to go on a run and then we have to do with injuries god forbid damian pierce gets hurt or god god forbid larry tonsil is out for 
a half a season or something. You know, like, let him deal with that shit this year. Figure that out when things aren't right. Because when we go on a run and something bad happens, you don't want to have the whole season collapse. We should right. still be able to win games. Right. So I'm actually happy the way things are turning out for this season in terms of roster construction. 2024, though, I think he's going to look great. But now that's just projection, and 90% of that is just because I'm a fan, honestly. But, I, like, that's just projections. But I do have hope that CG Star will be great. But I just want to say we're actually in a pretty fucking good situation so we can evaluate CJ Stroud without having all the best pieces around him. I mean, like I said, like the other day when we were talking about like Josh Allen versus like Anthony Richardson and all this shit. I mean, when you look at what Josh Allen came into in the NFL in terms of roster, like, I mean, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't better than what we have now. I mean, it, you know, I mean, you know, we have a top five, top three left tackle in the NFL, top two type talent. You know what I'm saying? The line is way more solidified. I think we have a better tight end right now. I think uh, I think I say that Dalton Schultz is better than Clay, Charles Clay. I, you know, I think I'll, at this point our running backs are probably better. Hell, I think our receivers are better. You know, the only thing is that Brian Dabo. Like we don't have a Brian Dabo. We don't have um, you know, you know Ken Dorsey had proven that he could. You know, he was a good quarterback coach. You know, already by then by his work with Cam Newton and how you know. You know, Cam Newton was, you know, having basically a, another all-pro MVP type year before he hurt his shoulder. So that's, you know, beyond, that's like, you know, things that we have to see. Like, we have to see what's – like, that's why, to me, I guess, I come across as, like, being a negative fan. You know, I'm excited. I would be excited if, you know, if you told me that this guy was going to be a, as good of a teacher, you know what I'm saying, the offense was going to uh, be as uh, – well-functioning as San Francisco, he was going to teach it that way. I think that I would be excited. But the, the truth is, is that, like, we've said this year after year after year, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I just want to see – I just want to see a good OC. You know, I, you know, I think that he can be. I, like, if you trust his – I mean, you know, his dad was a coach. You know, he's come from one of the best, you know, systems. You know what I mean? Um but at the end of the day, like we have to see it, you know, and same thing with Stroud. Like we have to, I, I have to see you perform well, you know, because I can hype you up and I can say all this shit. But at the end of the day, like you have to play well. And I think that obviously at, at Ohio State, he played really well. You know, there's nothing I could really take away from him. Like me saying the things I say about him, like, like it's just things that I have questions about, things that I wonder what if. What if, you know what I'm saying, Iowa was able to get to you the whole game? What if you couldn't – what if Ohio State couldn't run the ball on Iowa that game? You know, what if you couldn't – what if you're – you're because you couldn't run the ball, what if Brian Day couldn't call play action? What if, you know what I'm saying, Marvin Harrison and, you know, Egbuka weren't there and they were getting locked up? How would you look? How would your tape look? Would you run then? Would you be able to extend plays then? Because, like, when we talk about other quarterbacks, like whether it be Will Levis, whether it be Bryce Young, that's what we had to see. We had to see Bryce Young making plays out of nothing. We had to see Will Levis getting his ass kicked. We had to see, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, and there's been other quarterbacks throughout. I mean, hell, um, even like Joe Burrow, like people talk about, oh, well, look at what he did and he had to. But at the end of the day, dude, he had the best season ever. 
that whole season was magical. You saw him make plays. You saw him checking at the line of scrimmage. You saw him really doing a bunch of NFL shit that we really – you've seen Stroud do a bunch of NFL shit, but I can't say that he's Joe Burrow. I just – I can't. You know what I mean? Like, it's that, that season was the best season of all time for a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? He threw 60 touchdowns. He threw, like, 5,000 over – he threw, like, fucking 5,000 yards. Stroud – did not do that. And he played lower levels of competition. And he also had the same or better receiving core the past couple of years. Like you can't say that. Now I, I do understand the upside. Like, yeah, you can say he has that upside, but to say that he's did, he's done that yet is a stretch to me. Um, this isn't a CJ. Str- I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying why, like, you know, I guess we were all talking about what the offense is going to look like, right. and, you know, um, but yeah, like, so, I mean, I think that he has the potential to be to be this guy. You know, I think he he has the potential to lead like uh like a like a top five offense, right? I just think that you're gonna have to have top five type talent around him, possibly. As of what I've seen now, you know, like that could all be wrong and he could might do it. You know what I mean? But like I just wonder like like when we talk about elite quarterbacks, like is Stroud ever gonna be viewed as like a Joe Burrow or is he gonna be like a Dak Prescott or like a Kirk Cousins type of guy? Which honestly, man, if you was to go back and redraft those drafts, those guys would be top five picks in those drafts. Like those guys would be top three picks and those like Dak would not make it out of the top three probably if people knew that he was going to do what he did. Right. I know that there was right. quarterbacks taken above him, right? Like there was quarterbacks taken above him that year and they all, yeah, he was like a what, third round pick. He was a fourth round pick. I mean, let's fourth go back pick, to yeah. draft, like, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, um, and, and me, and I, I like that, you know, I think that, I think that he's really good, you know, it's just, and I, I think it's a good, like, I, I do, I understand why we got him and I, like I'm this is not me hating on him. It's just like, I mean, these are questions that I have, and honestly, they're they're it, it's gonna make it's gonna make the uh it's gonna make the the season that much more special. More interesting. Yeah, listen, listen. There's obviously questions about a lot of these guys. We have a lot of rookies. You know, I said this be- uh, before on, on our spaces, and w- last year we played more rookie snaps than any other team in the NFL, and we're gonna do that again. Mm-hmm. And, and and this time, obviously, I believe we have a better head coach, better OC. We have a, we have more weapons than we had last year. Uh, we obviously, have, I think, well, I, I, I think it's without a shadow of a doubt that we do have a better quarterback. I can't say that, you know, it would be very difficult for anyone to say we don't know yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, bro, I think, I think he's, he's better than Mills. That's fair. right. So, so, so with all that said, I think we are going to look good. Um, but because we've been ranting for a bit, I would say that I would like to say, let's get your hot take, one hot take that you want for the season. I'll give one hot take for, for, for me this season, and then we'll end this rant fest. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> Before we do that, though, I just wanted to talk about the quarterbacks that were taken above that. Okay, go, yeah. So Jared Goff, Wentz, Paxton Lynch, Christian Hackenberg, Jacoby Brissett, um, Cody Kessler, Connor Cook, and then him. You know, yeah. that's crazy. 
Good thing. But yeah, yeah. Um, so my hot, my hot, my hot take. I mean, um, shit. Um, fuck. Will Anderson will have a 10 sack year. Is that a hot take? I don't think it's a hot take, but I mean, I think I think a lot of people are expecting him to do double digits his first year. Yeah, I think that I think that's more doable than <laughs> I think that's I think that's probably gonna happen. <laughs> okay. What about you? Um, I think there's all right, I'll talk about two players and none of them are the quarterback. So I think that Damian Pierce is gonna have twelve hundred yards uh just on the ground, not all purpose, just 1,200 yards on the ground this year. Mm-hmm. And I think Xavier Hutchison takes Nico Collins' job and has uh, over 700 yards this year and and possibly more. Um, but I think Xavier Hutchison will become, by the end of the season, will become the wide receiver too. Who, That's my who, who will be the wide receiver too? You said Xavier Hutchison? Xavier Hutchison will be wide receiver too. And who do you think will be number one? Woods? Robert Woods, yeah. Okay. And then just so I know, like, number three would be Tank, do you think? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I mean, we've been going for a while, y'all. Uh, probably.